0: Hello and welcome to Bullet Points the podcast series all about video games. I'm co-host Ed Smith joined as per by co-host Reed McCarter.
1: That's Reed the little boss McCarter.
0: I was wondering how long it was going to be before we started trying to give one another Metal Gear Solid style code names. I think I think Metal Gear Solid 3 lends itself quite easily to this kind of joke because you know they've got The fear, the pain, the sorrow, the fury, and we could just be, you know, the bored, the cynical, the melancholy.
1: You're the young, and I'm the restless.
0: Mm, There we go, yeah.
1: Together, we're we're a daytime powerhouse.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are, this episode, talking about Metal Gear Solid 3, and this is me doing air commas, snake eater. Um, from 2004, should I mention the book now, or, or should we do that towards the end of the show? I mean, I think anyone listening to this knows that this podcast is in service of promoting the well, book. Do they? Do
1: well, they? if they
0: if they don't, then this podcast is in service of promoting the book that we are co-authoring uh, called Okay Hero. It's a series of essays on the Metal Gear Solid games that's due to be released in the very near future. Now, progress mm. on that has accelerated. And in order to kind of tee up the discussions that are contained within that book, we have been producing and releasing this series of podcasts involving and discussing uh, the mainline Metal Gear Solid games. We've already done one, we've already done two. You can go to bulletpointspodcast.com and find those episodes there. And we're going to be doing four or five. Are we going to do a podcast on Peace Walker? Uh, If not now, when? Okay, okay. So we're also going to do Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. And I imagine that all of these episodes are going to introduce and kind of draw in um, references to the lesser Metal Gear Solid games as well. You know, Revengeance, uh, maybe Ground Zeroes, maybe Substance, Subsistence.
1: Well, here's what I would say about this. Revengeance is not a lesser Metal Gear, but it does not have Solid in the title. Which I feel is the only reasonable way to cut off... um, the scope of the book, so that we didn't have to do Metal Gear One, Two, Yeah, Yeah, Revengeance, and then somebody be like, Survive. We also this Metal Gear Survive as well. Well, we already, we already, we
0: already bombed that particular house. Somehow did that one. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that real. That
1: doesn't have solid in the title, so it doesn't need to be in the book.
0: Yeah. Um, only the most solid games. <laughs> um. So Snake Eater, the, the third Metal Gear uh, game, pro, third Metal Gear Solid game rather proper, as I say, released in 2004, it's a prequel both to in fact, it's a prequel to the entire series. Mm-hmm. Um, where you play as the young big boss who, at the beginning of the game, has not yet been lionized as, as Big Boss. he's got the uh, no pun intended, no double entendre contained within it at all, sobriquet of Naked Snake. Don't extrapolate from that. Um, I almost feel like that code name and then the game's subtitle provide springboards for one of the main discussional points, which is the enormous amount of sexual melodrama and um, not exactly tension but you know undercurrent. In this game, which which the ge- which exists and is kind of plain to see to anybody, but also is never quite openly acknowledged. There's a weird like repressed sexuality that runs throughout this one more than the other two, and that's saying something. Yeah,
1: that's because it's a constant theme of yeah. these games, but here it's it's uh, it's really large. Think, um, I don't want to discuss your article. Um. Mm. Fully because I think people should read it, but that is a large part of what you're talking about. And um, it makes me think too, like with the way I'll, I'll bring in what you're saying here as well, is I think that um, this game trying to do sort of like a bond homage, because mm. this is, I mean, briefly, I imagine people listening to this um, have played this game. I think this discussion would be more interesting if you have... But it's set in 1964. 64 or
0: 63? I think 64. it's 64 because... I remember that chiefly because Major Zero, who's the kind of Colonel Campbell handler character in this game, he talks about being a fan of the film The Great Escape. And I remember him mentioning the Snake, did you see The Great Escape, Snake? It came out last year, and that came out in
1: 1963. Well, also other things that happen in the world too you know oh they talk
0: about kennedy's assassination <laughs> probably a slightly more significant event than the release of
1: the the cuban missile crisis yeah. uh, <laughs> all, of
0: the, all of those things kind of just orbited the launch of the great escape but, really
1: and and uh of course um which well which one from russia with love was out at this point right uh, yeah, 1964?
0: you had you Dr. Had, you had no from Russia with Love. Russia with Love was 63, Goldfinger was 64. They had a, That's right. they, had a they had a run of doing one uh, yearly. Dr.
1: Old no symbol. is 62?
0: Dr. No is 62, Russia with Love is 63, Goldfinger 64, I want to say that Thunderbolt is 65, and then... That sounds a, right. And then there's a two-year gap where nothing happened, and then you had You Only Live Twice in 67 and then on a majesty's in 69 and so on and so on i could i could could keep going
1: see people may not know as well um i mean say it on the record here because then there's more opportunity you and i uh talked about how many bond movies you're something of a bond scholar which may Mm. come into which may come in handy on this on this episode Mm -hmm. but you and i have talked on record (laughs) <laughs> the unreleased podcast about I think the first like eleven Bond movies. So I think
0: we got as far as The Spy Who Loved Me and um yeah. you know we were we were hugely fatigued by the more one two of Live and Let In fact there's a there's a trio there. Diamonds of Forever is awful. Live and Let Die is awful. The man with the Golden Gun is is like four on ten. <laughs> um and then you At get to the Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah. Anyway, okay, yeah, this is why...
1: Okay, so I, I feel like I just have to acknowledge that in order to... I'm talking mm-hmm. to you. This is being recorded for other people to listen to, but it also feels like I have to acknowledge it because it feels strange that we'll probably have some of the same... touch on some of the same topics that we've already talked about, you and I. Um, but but this game, and when you're saying that it has this sort of... Of all the games, the the... <laughs> I don't know if I want to be as like as bold as to say the most uh, heightened examples of repressed sexuality because there are other ones where you're taking pictures of women in bodysuits and yeah anyway this this game is notable for that and I think part of it is I think in their own way the creators of this game uh, the Kojima Productions I think are trying to do their bond homage. And I think part of that is they're saying, well, bond movies have this like overt sexuality to them. This, mm-hmm. this, um, and and this is filtered through a <laughs> metal gear lens to become this really strange. Um, you know, you have the character of Eva who is sort of the, the femme fatale. She's like the bond woman of of this game and she is supposed to be you know she's supposed to be sexy and like snake is in love with her at at a certain point and she you're not sure what her motives are but she's just kind of leered at like she's not um I, I don't know the best way to describe well, it like there are so I, many examples to get into so maybe I'll just pass yeah it
0: well i don't think you have to worry about describing it in any kind of original way, I don't think you have to find your own words for it. I think you can describe, you know, moments from the game very plainly, and they speak for themselves. Like the first time you meet Eva, um, you can, you know, she she arrives on a motorcycle. She unzips her jumpsuit, and then you can hold down the R1 button to get a kind of snake's eye view of her cleavage you know it cuts into like a first person view as he's leering at her chest and that repeats itself maybe 3 or 4 times for maybe like different parts of her body right mhm and the thing the thing that connects i think metal gear solids 3 metal gear Solid as a whole most strongly to bond for me and again i don't want to shoot the bolt on my article uh on this show but one of the things that connects the two is that I I, I we have definitely talked about this, you and I, but in, in Bond, what you invariably find, from Russia with Love actually is one of the strongest examples, what you invariably, or, or maybe Goldfinger, what you invariably find is Bond tied down, suffering some kind of humiliating, uh, you know, sadistic torture, right? So mm-hmm. in, in if you think about Goldfinger, the really famous scene from Goldfinger, he's like spread eagle with a laser beam going towards his genitals. If you think about the...
1: Isn't that Doctor now?
0: No, No, that's Goldfinger. Um, In From Rush With Love, he's supine on this like massage bed and someone comes in and kind of increases the speed and if you go and watch the clip it looks like Connery's being kind of like humped to death by this um, (laughs) sodomy machine. Yeah, it looks
1: like something that you know, you would pay good yeah. money to have installed in your in your, <laughs> in your garage. Dungeon.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and that, that, that comes up in so many so many Bond books so many, bon- if you if you remember the, the plot of From Russia With Love, the novel um, oh, actually, no, sorry the shagging machine is in Thunderball apologies, no. In From Russia With Love the, the thrust of the novel is that the uh, the KGB are going to dispatch one of their uh, pretty young, naive, uh, like typists to seduce Bond, sleep with Bond, film it, and then release the footage in order to kind of sexually humiliate him. Mm-hmm. You know, that he's slept with this Russian Russian agent. So there's this, this kind of ongoing theme in all of Bond's, uh, in all of like, Ian Fleming's books and the adaptations of his books of um, like sexual torture, either physically or emotionally. There's always this kind of thrust of like humiliation or like degradation and. and um, uh, masochism right? And in in the article that I've written for the book, I kind of I, I try and trace that back to a, a particularly kind of English mentality. Um, but that is one of the things that comes up so often in Snake Eater. So you've got that like really extended sequence of of Snake, you know, tied by his hands to the ceiling, and he's being kind of wailed on by um, Volgin who it's like established throughout the game is a, is a sadist you know the way that he like electrocutes Eva and um, is implied to kind of like bind and and, and you know pugilistically kind of torture his, his lover uh, Rykov who is a that character is a, a swamp of discussion in and of himself mm-hmm. um, and then you've got you know the, the other kind of woman who's opposite naked snake is called the boss so there's this kind of like semi matriarchal dominatrixy vibe again in their relationship you know like whether she slaps around Ocelot is very kind of commanding there's this this whole air, this whole like meen of psychosexuality
1: well the thing another thing about the boss as well is that she's um simultaneously for the main character, and she is sort of the creator of the the guiding ethos of like of Metal Gear trying to figure out what is good or what is uh sort of like what what is true and worth pursuing in in this world where that's you know a hyper militarized look at our own world of the 20th century and going forward the boss is supposed to be the one who's trying to or has like most successfully kind of like navigated um uh 20th century politics and and has found a way through all the disillusionment of um, everything that happens of governments betraying their, their people who want to believe in them and of these wars being fought that are supposed to be for ideology, but are actually for, you know, very mundane sort of cynical uh, practical kind of reasons of, of just gaining power and influence. Um, She's the one who's supposed to be sort of the most, the most intelligent kind of most kind of pure in a sense. Like she, she's, she's like a, I think in, I think it's in metal gear four, uh, when you meet up with an older Eva and there's like, it's in a church and they talk about the boss forever, um, about her will. And, you know, she's this larger than life figure. She's, she's kind of the, the mold that in, 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 in the later games, chronologically it's everyone's trying to fight kind of over what her will means yeah um so she, she has this
0: like biblical importance like sort of yeah. transcendenty kind of yeah uh messianic thing yeah
1: it's it, she's like a, a almost like a prophet and they're all yeah, trying that's the word to, I'm looking for. yeah
0: they're all arguing over what
1: her message actually means and yeah The right way to apply it so she has this status and this is the game she's introduced in and her protege is is big boss who's snake in this one and you kind of are trying to figure out what their relationship is for the first little while you learn that um she's she's referred to as the mother of the special forces i guess she she created the special forces Mm. in, in america in this game and i think snake was a was he a green beret before he was in the cia yeah and i think she was his commander or she was his mentor in whatever way um, and there's various discussions about like who she is to him so she's his mentor just in a practical sense like she taught him you know how to be a soldier kind of how to think about war and but she also is like a mother to him But Mm -hmm. then she's also, like, there's a weird sexual tension between them constantly as well. So there's this blending of, like, kind of teacher, mother, uh, sexual partner, or at least, like, fantasy. And when you see her in this game, and you touch on this in the article, she's... Every time she sees Snake, she's kind of scolding him and And beating him up.
0: And beating him up, yeah.
1: Yeah, like, uh, sort of physically and mentally smacking him around you know she tells him you don't understand what's going on here in in uh i don't know if it's actually russia proper or if it's just part of the ussr the jungles that they're in i i can't Um, remember where they you know where they say it is i've looked it up before but anyway whenever they she's she's essentially saying go home you you don't know what's going on here this is above you and snake is saying you know i have to do this because he's trying to we should get into this at some point as well he's trying to essentially um he's in there on a deniable operation to essentially stop world war three from breaking out because tensions between um the soviets and the american government are so high that that essentially he has to go in there and, and stop this plot that's going on in order to satisfy the soviets they'll back down um anyway so she, she he keeps trying to go because it's so important and then she keeps <laughs> rebuking him he's like a I don't know very subservient in every way and it's not until the end of the game that the tables are kind of flipped and it's this grand tragedy in Metal Gear uh, what mm-hmm. happens sorry I went on for a long way there I'm just trying to
0: no it needs summing up I think that 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 sort of three aspects those three aspects of their relationship um, form the crux of the game Um, that sort of parental, professional sexual tension between him and her are the you know the kind of rails that the the game rides along Um, and I, I think that it's what strikes me about this Metal Gear Solid Three, just in terms of like a, a, a kind of basic way of explaining where it fits compared to the preceding two. This is this is the only one out of Metal Gear Solid One, Two, and Three where I think anyone actually has sex. So I think Snake and Eva actually have sex um, once when they're by the sort of little campfire just before the the game's finale, and then in the coda when they're back at the lodge. Uh, uh, in, in that very uh, kind
1: of... excuse me what about when naomi hunter pulls otacon into the helicopter in that's... the isn't it like it's like a titanic thing isn't it yeah, that's, in,
0: that's in four no i'm talking about up until now
1: oh up until now yeah
0: yeah sure. um and i i think the reason that that stands out to me is that this is this is the game where there's like more of an attempt I think made to sort of foreground all of the kind of sexual imagery and to sort of acknowledge it. But then at the same time, it's kind of uh, it's also quite hushed and sort of ashamed of itself. There's a, there's this weird um, very voyeuristic mentality This the, the, the sex is always prevented in this very voyeuristic way, this distance way, this kind of um, it, it seems to think there's something like illicit and lurid about um people's sexuality the way again like going back to the way that you know uh, snake is sort of eyeballing eva and it's done with this kind of like cheeky you know just tap our one to have a quick look at her cleavage way there's this extremely strange and i think authentically both like hideo kajiman and uh English and maybe i I don't know enough about like Japanese culture but definitely English attitude towards sort of sexual arousal that it's not exactly something to be ashamed of but it's also not something that you should feel proud of i think that's why there's so much masochism and i think it's one of the reasons that the boss is so kind of humiliating towards snake is it's this idea that um if you're if you're turned on or if you're uh, kind of sexually interested then you, you need to be punished for it or at least be made to feel like you're punished and I, I, this is the first game that really openly goes into it
1: well there's never <clears throat> I mean there are very few instances in all of the series where uh, sex is presented as something that is done between people of equal standing you mm. know, it's mm. um, which I mean you can argue is the basis for a lot of fiction in general that you know imbalance in power and everything is is what makes conflict and but it's it's sort of that there's something and it's a lot to describe and it'll come up again in the next few games but it's something that um is is common in the series that it is sort of shameful or has to be a joke or has to be kind of like uh uh, violent or frightening you know you go um, you
0: go back to the first game and you know the first you, you, you see like Meryl beat that guy up Johnny and like, leave him on all fours naked knocked out with his ass in the air and there's that kind of you know humiliation that, that humiliatory <laughs> aspect about it and then you know Sniper Wolf kind of scratches Snake on the face and sort of um, Pours over him while he's tied up with his shirt off, and then you've got Oticon, whose sort of uh, attraction to Sniper Wolf is almost a little bit laughable. And there's this whole sense, like you say, of like imbalance between sexual partners, that it's always like violent, or predatory, or slightly pathetic. Um, Which, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, I finished. No, I was gonna say. Um, uh...
1: I was gonna say, um, like, there's a way though that like it's it's hard to nail down in terms of like the presentation that makes this, because I think these things could all be. I'm worried that like you describe these things and it's like, well, they could all be fine in a different context, right? You know these mm-hmm. these story beats and these presentations of, of sexuality and everything, but I think the way they are here, there is something very yeah, I don't know. It, it's just kind of maybe we'll return to this when we get to the Phantom Pain. To me the way that, that quiet is presented to, to me, there's words. something
0: there's something highly psychological about it. I think that's the word that I'd use. There's something highly psychological about it, and the consistency with which all of this stuff appears, and the way that we are encouraged to regard Metal Gear Solid as the product of authorship, means to me that what all of this relates to is the psychology of Kojima and there's something quite authentically himself about all of this whether he realises it or, or not I think that his mm-hmm. his sexuality is often on display in these games uh, and never more so than, than Snake Eater but I'm also conscious of the fact that we've been talking for 25 minutes and there's there's quite a lot else that we probably need to discuss in relation to this game So yeah,
1: well I mean I, the game's called Snake Eater and... It stars Naked Snake, and so you have to. You have to go for mm-hmm.
0: So let's just let's just talk about it. Let's let's drop back a few um, furlongs <laughs> and just just talk about it in terms of how it plays. Because I think that the first game, some kind of byproduct of being on the original PlayStation, but also because it uh, is kind of a puzzle game in the sense that you know you have to like navigate around uh, around uh, guards and navigate around environments and try not to be seen the first game plays very um sort of tankishly you know you can really only move snake in four directions uh Mm -hmm. weapons weapons are very unwieldy movement generally is quite sort of restricted then the second game and this was something that astrid touched on when she was on the the previous episode the second game feels a lot more fluent and fluid and you have more options in terms of movement. Weapons feel a little easier to handle. Aiming is um, made more efficient. What do you think about this one? Because I think it, it might be somewhere in between the first two, and I wonder what that kind of says about it.
1: Yeah, I wonder I go back and forth on how I feel about this one. There's parts of it that are... Um, I think the approach for the first time in these ones really does lend itself to either... Uh, complete stealth or just sort of going in guns blazing for the first time in the series um, it's a lot more viable to, I mean they have in this one um, like a chain gun that you hold it down and this is obviously homage to Rambo 1 and Snake starts screaming mm. <laughs> the longer you hold the button down he just goes
0: Ah <laughs> Yeah, um,
1: And, you know, there are mounted guns, uh, mounted gun emplacements, and things blow up a lot more. Uh, it, it feels like this one is, is saying it's okay, which is really strange, considering that this one, it feels like the stakes for the stealth are higher than they've ever been. That is so true. Where it's, you know, they say at the beginning that, you know, Snake, if you're caught here, um, nobody will... You know, America will disavow knowledge of you being here, and you know the Soviets can do whatever they want to you um, to resolve this political crisis. So it's you know it's it's very high stakes, but you can just shoot the hell out of people. Um. So, but there are more stealth systems as well. Like this one has this whole fiddly camouflage system where you go into you go into menus and you can select uh, different, uh, different fatigues for snake to wear and different face paint. And this will affect like a camouflage index that is represented by a percentage sign. Um, So if you're in, you know, a swamp, then you'll want that kind of color. Um, And if you're in uh, a dark building, then you want him to be wearing black and, you know, all all of these kind of things. And it the game kind of encourages you to the point where if you're next to some bricks, there's like brick uh red brick camo to put on. And it encourages you to be going into these menus constantly to be doing this. Um and there are even more tools as well. Um but this one also does away with the um God, the Soliton radar. For the first time, because the environments are a bit more open. It's, it's jungle, so it's not all right angles everywhere in buildings like it was before. And I have tried so many times to play this game stealthily. And I always, within the first couple hours, I'm just like, oh, fuck it. I can't. Because it's just... um, it, It's the most sort of... Yeah, fiddly... Of these games i think there are so many menus to go into and there are so many different tools that all have their one precise use and uh i don't know i i feel like this game does sort of have that and it still does control sort of like two so it's good enough that it kind of feels like you're you're trying to grab something underwater like you can you can do everything but it's it's just sort of a disconnect between what you're brain wants you to do and what you can actually pull off so um and i think that's right the way you put it that it is sort of between the blocky tanky kind of first game controls and the second game which does feel a little bit more fluid which mm-hmm. i think is the result of putting um different animation and, and more movement options into the same kind of environments as in one like those
0: same kind of I just think of them as right angles everywhere Mm. Um, I I mean as well as being as well as being something of a Bond aficionado when when the games were originally released I was heavily into Metal Gear Solid they were the the only games I played for a while um, you know, I, I, I think I mentioned on the last episode. I played the second one the day it came out in one sitting for like twelve straight hours or something. Who has uh, that time as a child? Where? Uh, well, I was twelve years old. I don't know. I think I just did it on a weekend. Mm. Um, and then no. with with three, I did do it um, again on, on like extreme difficulty, and I I did it without getting any alerts and you know all these kind of permutations of that. No kills. No. Uh, no knockouts, just like trying to do these kind of ghost runs of the game, and yeah, um, it was hell. It was it's, it's really it's really it's really something that you can only do uh, again if you've got like an enormous amount of time, and if you're highly pedantic, and <laughs> if you if you save the game really often as well, and get used to kind of saving, and reloading, yeah. saving, and reloading, right. And I. I find that is so violently at odds with, like you said earlier on, you know, the premise of the game. That is to me one of the biggest problems with this one. It's one of the reasons why I think I like it the least out of the original trilogy. Is that Snake himself? He constantly feels like an umbrella that's like caught in the wind, and you're just trying to like stop him from kind of yeah. overrunning a corner or or jumping off a ledge or you know like the aiming is is always kind of pulling against you it almost feels like you're always on the precipice of the game uh, kind of blowing your cover and yeah the environments are so sort of you see I think there's a weird contradiction in the environments where they feel incredibly sort of blocky and right-angly, and like you can only run along certain paths, almost like a kind of Pac-Man thing. But at the same time, they are like wide open, so it's it's really difficult to actually understand like, what routes you're supposed to be taking. Um, and goddamn, that camouflage system is just agony. <laughs> and I think it it's, it's it's an ordeal to use. It's a an idea that makes the game kind of look ridiculous when you know you've got guards walking past you within like a foot of where you're crouched but because yeah you're, you're wearing this combat suit that looks like you know uh yeah a, a red brick wall they just don't see you it, it looks absurd and it's it's absolutely no fun it's really no fun i don't see what the sort of pleasure is in oh right yeah i've managed to select the right combat s- suit for long grass
1: well, similar to also the other thing, and I think it's all of a piece for this aspect of the game is is snake has to eat, and uh, oh, yeah. or else his stamina drains, um, which does give you lots of like neat stuff in terms of you know he can have stomach aches, or you can uh, trap like snakes or rats in cages, and you can throw them at guards, and you can poison bosses with um, you know, uh, spoiled food and has all those you know, little uh, all that Metal Gear minutia that I think is always like pretty entertaining to see the ways that the different ways it interacts with everything um, but there's that, the fact that you have the stamina bar that you have to keep filling up by by making sure Snake is eating um, and there's the injury system where you go into a menu and um, you know you get in a firefight and you have to extract the bullet and disinfect the wound and bandage it up or you get cut and you have to suture it and burn. so you need to put ointment on them broken bones, you have to put a splint and a bandage and what it, it ends up being is a process of just hanging out in menus doing the same thing over and over and over
0: Yeah, it all sounds so much more visceral than it actually is
1: um it's selecting items from a drop down yeah you know and and doing the right ones until the until the injury is fixed it's an interesting idea though in theory
0: but it's i think it's interesting that uh it's an interesting idea that uh isn't carried into four or five um and it feels like an idea that was that was done so poorly that they chose just to just to leave it behind, um, which is which is interesting again because you know you think about how many games these days have these you know again in like big fat quotation marks survival mechanics, mm-hmm. um, and here was Metal Gear in in two thousand and four I think trying to trying to deploy that sort of aesthetic the sort of survivalistic aesthetic and failing spectacularly but still that you know the intent was there
1: well i think you see these carried forward into four in i think a lot smarter ways i think four is a much 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 poorer game as a whole um but you see like the stamina stuff turns into like a site like a what they call it the psych meter or something. Right. I and mean, he, uh, he
0: has got the camouflage suit that like auto-changes.
1: Yeah, it changes on its own. And um, there's, you know, the things of... He's old in 4, so... You don't have to crouch. eat, though, do you?
0: You don't have to eat and
1: heal wounds. No, you can eat and drink, I think, but it's just to... I think it makes him happier. Right. You know, I mean, in all these games, you're chomping down rations to heal yourself, mm. so... Um, keep that going, but the one thing I actually I don't know I don't want to, don't know if I want to like cut off that avenue of discussion before. Can I,
0: well, I want to say one more thing then on just that point is that mm. as well as um the 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 general mechanics feeling contrary to the idea of the increased like idea of stealth the increased presence of the importance of stealth they also contradict one of the fundamental kind of character points, which is that you're the greatest soldier of the 20th century, but you just feel like this kind of clumsy, clownish dumbass. Yeah, but he's time. not
1: at this point, right? But He's, meant to be he's pr- supposed he's me- to be.
0: He's meant to be pretty good. You know what I mean? He's meant to be pretty good. Uh, See,
1: I always go back and forth on that, about whether he is meant to be pretty good <laughs>
0: or not. Well, Ocelot because... calls him pretty good in every single game. That's true. And... But it, I mean it- it applies to one and two right and and then again, I think in three that you're always supposed to be feeling like you know you're the one that the government has chosen to do this incredibly difficult mission for for some reason, right he's meant to be pretty handy in this kind of situation, but always always feels like you can't even like properly aim a gun, you know what I mean um, mm-hmm. I never felt like I was playing as. Uh, even like a soldier, let alone a good soldier, it, did, I, it feels so unwieldy. Um, I mean, the
1: fa- the Phantom Pain's probably the only one where they yeah. uh, sort of feed into, and I think that's a good thing in that game because that's a large point of yeah. that game, right?
0: You do, you, yeah, you feel efficient in that game.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. No, I think that's that's all true. That's this game. So what I wanted to say though to sort of like segue into some of the the broader stuff with this game as well with the plot and everything is that uh this game I think moves along in a way the the story is uh I think a lot more propulsive than 2 is uh although you know I like 2 way 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 more than this one it um it moves along at a good clip um and when i think back on it i don't remember how kind of annoying i find it to play because i think of the set pieces and the the places you go and and the plot points which are you know the plot really moves along and introduces characters and you're you're kind of hurling toward something constantly in this game and it does have the the clicking the ticking clock of of you have to get this mission done because you know uh, big things are at stake which all the games have to a degree but this one i think the the realism which feels weird to say but the realism of the scenario of this is essentially like a cuban missile crisis type scenario happening here and you have your mission handlers telling you that if you don't hurry up something awful is going to happen um, I think keeps this game moving pretty well mm-hmm. so when I think back on this game I think about things I think I generally have like a pretty positive impression of it um, to me this, is, this game is sort of the beginning of the end of of Metal Gear um, being competent mm-hmm. uh, or competent I don't know if that's fair because I think all the games are interesting but i think they become increasingly kind of like messy and sort of feel like they're obligations rather than something that wants to be made and this one feels like the last one where it it has a real sense of purpose to it it mm-hmm. has a sense of like liveliness to it and and that it's really trying to get something across so i think about those things more than i think about i start playing it and i'm like ah, oh, fuck like the camo system You know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, oh no, I have to. That scene at the beginning of the prologue, or at the end of the prologue where it introduces you, tutorializes the stitching yourself up system. And I was like, oh yeah, God, I have to do that again. And uh, those things don't stick out to me as much. Like, I, I don't know what you think about this game as a whole.
0: Um. To me, it's definitely... I agree with you. It's definitely where... um, It's not where the the series peaks, but it's where the decline kind of steepens. Um, I... I find it... um, There are things I I agree with you about the plot, right? I agree with you that the plot moves at a, a, a good pace and there's this really great sense of heading towards a climax which the second one doesn't have, but then again, I quite like the second one and the way that it does sort of dwell mm-hmm. and and introspect, and it's it has these really like tangential discussions for sometimes a long time. You mm-hmm. know, I, I actually like the the second one as this. I hate this word usually, but as this meditation about various different things mm-hmm. wrapped around this this you know action movie. Um, and I actually think the first game, which is my favorite of the original, is my favorite. The Metal Gear, it's, it's probably my favorite game, on some days. And I, I think that the first game moves toward I, like the plot. The plot moves nice and qu- a lot quicker than the third game. Mm. You know, I think I if I had to hand out a trophy for like, you know, best paced plot in a Metal Gear game, it would go to Metal Gear Solid. The thing that I think bothers me most about the third one in terms of like plot and characters um i really don't like uh the major zero character i think he's annoying and and like su- such a, such a poor substitute for the the colonel character especially the colonel character if you remember like the colonel character in the second one and like the sort of journey you go on with that with that individual mm-hmm. uh how he how he you sort of don't trust him and then he kind of comes trustworthy and then by the end of the game you know there's like it's <laughs> extremely Strange and frightening, and then you've just got this kind of like played for comic relief, you know, uh, yeah. British guy who who just is almost there to like deliver the Bond references and whatever. I can't stand him, and then I really, I really am. I find myself really uninspired by the bosses. I think that. That's they feel really perfunctory. In this really land. perfunctory. Like it, it, it's the fact I think that they are just called like the noun, sort of sums up something about them. You, they, the, the whole Metal Gear Solid series has never ever been able to better the the bosses from Metal Gear Solid, who all felt really alive and colourful and strange, and like they all have like an idiosyncrasy, and they were mm-hmm. they're all threatening in a really different way. You know, like you've got the one that's going to snipe you, you've got the one that like gets into your mind, you've got the one who is a, your twin. You know, there's this. Honestly, they, they're, they're so colorful. Whereas this one, although they've got like, you know, this one throws bees, this one climbs trees, this one's got a flamethrower, this one's got a sniper rifle. There's not like a kind of personal relationship with you and them. Whereas in, in, in the original. They all seem to have, like, a vendetta against Snake specifically. And I don't know. There's just there's something about the boss characters in this game that, that they do feel sort of uh, pushed on stage. And their, their shtick is very artificial.
1: I mean, yeah. I, I think there are some... Some of the fights themselves are, are good. Um, I, do you think? I think... Um, Trying to think of which ones. I like the one where you fight Ocelot, and
0: it's across the gorge. That I, I quite like that. I don't um, But when you fight the Pain, it's just you know it's in a cave. When you fight yeah, the, when yeah. you fight the Fear, it's just it's like, like, like in, in a, a hangar. It, or yeah, something. it's in a field. When you fight the Fury, it's just in yeah like a hangar.
1: The um, end is is something. I think that's well, an interesting. I hate doing it. I always yeah, do the trick now because it's I so why? it's so drawn out but I think that is
0: no but it's it's drawn out in a way that I, it doesn't feel tense you kind of walk into an area you put on like the heat goggles and either you see him and shoot him or he sees you and shoots you and then he runs off and then you have to walk for another few minutes to go to the next kind of room where he might be it feels like some horrible like dungeon crawler it doesn't feel like a tense <laughs> yeah. like, sniper
1: showdown that's true I think once again it's something that uh, the limitations of the technology at the time with loading into those different areas because it's a sniper fight that takes place over this huge swath of jungle with discrete areas. So you have to, this, this sniper you're fighting against has all the same sort of requirements that you do. Um, like he has camouflage and he gets hungry. And so, so it's this thing of kind of trying to pit two equal combatants against each other but it's once again it can i think the first time i played it it took me like two and a half hours and there's something about that that you know one time that's i don't know i'll stick up for it in terms of i think the idea of it um is commendable Mm. it's uh i i think it's where you start to get into in three and then going forward you start to get into sort of um you know revolution nine era Beatles of i'm gonna <laughs> do what i want and you're going to trust me because you liked me before yeah you know? and and i always like that i always like when someone's trying things that are maybe even if they don't really work that well um but again that's not one of my favorites i like i, I think I, got, I like the idea of it i don't like doing it
0: i think you've got better sniper scenes in one and two i think the fight with sniper wolf was oh, yeah. a kind of like test of reflexes and you know you have to go back to get a sniper rifle and there's a sense of like shit you know I've got a I'm really up against it here my Meryl's gonna die and um, yeah you're having the sniper duel with, you know along the length of this enormous um, I don't even know what it is like communications tower thing and then in the second one when you, you know you've got to defend Emma and there's a whole kind of again like bog of poison toads here in relation to like sexual politics that you're having these sniper duels to, like defend these women and mm-hmm. Etc. Etc. But in just in terms of like a a, a, a play experience, I, I find them so much more exciting. Just actually because of their um, just because of their compactness, I, I I get so. you know what? This is yeah. this. Yeah, I get so bored of the, the sequence with the end that it just stops being exciting. I actually I, I can understand why somebody in like the boardroom or whatever goes. Oh yeah, we're gonna make it feel like a real sniper duel, and that seems like a really interesting idea. But then in practice I don't I don't sit down to play the video game to feel like an actual sniper. I don't want that job. I don't wanna to go to work as a sniper.
1: You know, some people do. They play, you know, Arma and like the people who want to calculate uh, bullet drop and and wind <laughs> Yeah you know, wind speed and um, I, I
0: want the abstract. I wanna feel like it. I don't want to actually have to do it.
1: Yeah, and I think I think the first one and the second one by sort of copying the same ideas uh, does that well with like you know the the gun shaking your hands if you don't mm. take the pentasamine and um, I do agree with you I think our Metal Gear opinions are pretty much the same. I'm just uh, you know outside of the comparison I one also the way that you get the sort of shorter villain introductions at the beginning and then you get their long, death scenes mm. at the end where they explain why their life was so horrible and all of these things like i think that stuff is is great and memorable um but i agree i i like the revolver fight at the beginning with the gorge um the one with the boss at the end looks fantastic i always find it a bit of a pain in the ass to actually play mm. uh where you're in the the field of white flowers um it's it's great on a narrative level, I think. Yeah. Um and I guess that to me is like sort of the thing with all these and maybe that's the revolver fight as well. It's it's kind of fun to have this duel across a gorge where you can't actually go up to each other and attack each other um more directly. But it is sort of the thing of well, here's this character and here he is as a young, cocky um Soviet special forces soldier and and he's playing around with his revolver for the first time and figuring out exactly how how horny it makes him to reload it yeah yeah <laughs> and you know it's a lot of this stuff is it, it works on for me on a narrative level more than than anything else uh-huh um yeah I, I i don't know this game so i don't know there's so there's so much to get into with this too and i know we're like we're
0: closing minutes here I don't know how we got I, this far i wanna I wanna I think i'd like to if we're gonna if we've got ten more minutes, I think I'd like mm-hmm. to end on a positive I'm trying to think of
1: well I do too because i I don't hate this game this is I think to me and what I want to get across before it's over is that the first three games to me work as i to me it depends on the day one or two is are my favorite. Um for for different reasons. But um I think the first three together are a good triptych and I think it's where the series should have ended.
0: I agree. I agree. Um and I think that three nevertheless I'm just racking my brains now, I'm just kind of like replaying the entire game in my head. You can see like just imagine like a kind of fast forward VHS noise now as I kind of just run through the entire game mentally. I think that it does contain one moment that is is kind of unequaled in the first and second one, and it's it's been parodied and kind of joked about so much. But it's just that moment where you climb the ladder, mm-hmm. and it's like it's marking a kind of halfway point in the story. It's this really great use of music that mm-hmm. sort of you know everyone. Everyone sort of uh, there was like articles and, and and just so much discussion about you know the Jose uh, Gonzalez song in Red Dead Redemption mm-hmm. and how they kind of bring in this like non diegetic you know piece of soundtrack to kind of reflect where the characters at and it's it's so unexpected.
1: It calls it, back to this, right?
0: It so does, and it's this like halfway point in the story where you know you're 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 heading up into the mountains now and it's it's all going to start getting a little more. Unusual, and like the answers to the questions are now going to start to be given to you, and you know all the relationships you 've built so far are going to be tested, and you 've just got this like five minute time this like little half time to sort of reflect, mm-hmm. and the music really encourages it. The music kind of like asks you to be emotional and it just strips the game down for a minute, and just asks you to kind of think about everything i think it's, it's really it 's like economical um, and like quite beautiful in a way.
1: Well, I, I think one thing about what works with this game as well is I mean, it's very much a game about sacrifice, right? You're going back to the root of what the Metal Gear Solid games are concerned with, which is sort of the abstraction of of patriotism and of like righteousness and violence as war as as something that can ever be like just and it's going back here to the cold war and as as kind of the the birth of of everything that's going to be disturbing and strange and alienating about the 20th century and then going forward into modern times um and so it's it's kind of about this sacrifices that these characters are making and and saying here's the human cost in these war stories of of these people who wanted to believe in things Uh, the boss in this one who is betrayed by her government everyone's kind of betrayed in this game um trying to do something essentially trying to to stop things from getting worse um and these games are very much about sacrifice. You know, the, the iconic thing in this in this game is the ending where um, you understand why the boss has done what she's done and you have to execute her and you have to press the button. And I think that's a really great moment in this game and the, the controller vibrates and the gunshot rings out and her horse, you know, it <laughs> adds a little like John Woo extra too mm. melancholy touch to it of her horse like name and i think like her snake scar slithers
0: off Mm. i actually (laughs) i really like that i really like that
1: it's it's very metal gear to say you were emotionally moved let's make you feel a little bit silly yeah (laughs) um and you know the thing with snake at the end he's being he's being given these commendations by lyndon johnson and i think mcnamara is there too and Mm. And then he just ends up in Arlington Cemetery, saluting um, the boss's grave, and because every, everything is just so, he just realizes that that it's all bullshit. You know, these causes that he thinks that anyone thinks they're fighting for um, are, are just really about like material gain. Uh, there's so much to... I, I talk about this in my article. It's kind of mm-hmm. what it's about. But the main thing is the theme of of sacrifice, right? These characters who are giving their lives or are giving their reputations away um, in service of what they think is important. And I think the way that this game models that is this really grueling journey for snake is, mm. is really good. So you get to that latter point. Um, I mean, this game opens with you saying this is a small mission ends with uh, a nuke, uh, a miniature nuclear warhead going off and snake getting irradiated. Um, and then coming back and being told, okay, things are even worse now because, you know, the nuke going off is what starts the whole incident. The, you know, why he has to go in and, and defeat this Colonel Volgan. And, you know, anyway, it's, it's too much to explain, but, um, the thing is he, he's doing this because he thinks this is going to, is, is going to save the world and it's going to, uh, restore some sort of, truth by finding himself like finding his boss and finding out why she his boss his mentor and finding out why she seems so have defected to the soviets and and so he's going on this this journey where he keeps being beaten like physically and mentally over and over and over I and mean, when you get to this latter scene um the song is kind of like it's this great I don't know. It's like a, it's like a great like travel montage moment almost Mm. of, of the hero who, uh, you know, has just had the shit kicked out of them and, and doesn't really know why they're still doing this. Um, you know, wiping the tears away and, and dusting off their shoulders and saying, okay, and setting out again and whistling a tune as they go, like trying to pluck up their spirits to, to finish it. Um, And I think that's what I like about this game a lot is the, the elements of sacrifice aren't just, aren't just in the plot. They're, they're everywhere. And, you know, snake gets, uh, beat up in ways that like have a lasting impact. He gets his eye shot out. Mm -hmm. He gets tortured. I think in the most, there's torture in all of these games, but in this one, it's, it's, um, you know, him with a, a, a bag over his head, um, covered in blood and bruises and and pissing himself as he's being electrocuted and you know, it's it's a lot more brutal. I think like kind of like viscerally brutal than it is in the last two games. He gets sterilized
0: um, as well, he implies we've been sterilized by that the, when the nuke goes off and he gets that, irradiated. Yeah. Yeah. Is it's that the famous
1: thing of why he's why he well, can't have children?
0: That's why we get let on le enfant terrible. <laughs> um yeah so you're right there is like a lot of and then like she's talking about the boss is talking about the fact that i can't remember exactly what the circumstances are but she she now can't have children for because of something oh because she went to she went to space she, she went had, to space that's right and she, bikini at or something yeah
1: she had quite the career she did
0: she's <laughs> she's busy busy person um,
1: and, she you gave know, she, birth she, to Ocelot on Normandy during the Normandy she, invasion
0: yeah and she had to kill her lover and right, it, it reminds me of that that actually quite good bit in the, in the Born Identity when Matt Damon has wounded like mortally wounded Clive Owen and Clive Owen sort of says you know do you get, do you, do you get the headaches oh I get the headaches so bad and then they sort of look at each other and Clive Owen says, look at us, look at what they make you give, and then dies. And the whole the whole game of Metal Gear Solid 3 is kind of like, yeah, look at what, you know, the governments are kind of making these, making the soldiers do, look at what they're making them give. And, you know, what it ends is, ends in is, you know, the boss has made the, the sort of ultimate sacrifice is that she's given her reputation. Because like everyone's going to think that she was a traitor and, and a villain, and she's kind of given up the right to you know her place in history. Um, and I, when I, really I, she was trying to subvert um, the plans of
1: of both governments, right she was
0: yeah and I think that that is, it is there is like a, there's power in that I think that is quite a powerful story, and I think that there are so many times in this game when it is actually shown and delivered really well. Um, if you think about, you know, how Eva and Snake's relationship sort of culminates is that she has to betray him, even though she loves him, and leave him, you know, because of her, because of her allegiance to, I think it's like the Chinese government in the end. It is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Everyone's so concerned
1: about Russia and America, and it turns out.
0: Yeah, it's China. But then China you know, has an agent. There's that kind of after the credits phone call where it turns out that Ocelot is the one that gets away with it all. <laughs> on behalf of, on behalf of uh, the uh, the Patriots, uh, the Americans.
1: The philosophers. the philosophers at this point, right? The Philosophers. philosophers. The, philosophers,
0: the, philosophers the Philosopher's Stone. Um, yeah, so there is, there is like a really interesting... And I think that that is, that is, again, like one of the things that is admirable about the original three games is that they all have a kind of, you know, the first game is about, you know, what, what you pass on. The second game is about, you know, uh, where you get your information, like where you get your ideas about what you should pass on. And then the third game is this idea of, um, I don't know, like having everything taken from you and, and are these systems to which you belong actually just making your life worse and, and taking from you? And are you giving too much to try and belong to something? And there's this, like, there's a, there is an interesting through line kind of philosophically there.
1: Yeah, and I always, I mean, I always think of them too as the first one being this, this, it's like a paranoia thriller, right? It's um, this soldier who kind of realizes that he has this simple mission to take out these terrorists and it spirals into something that is, you know, um, this, this larger plot going on of different factions of within his government and without it who are kind of operating above his head and using him as a pawn, you know, it's there's more to it than that. Mm. Um but then also of, you know, war is hell is the message and how does that how is that communicated from generation to generation? Um and how to question that? And then the second one to me is like very much the 21st century game. Um I wrote about this a bit too, but it feels to me that the timing is um very interesting because it's a pre-9-11 game it's i think came out after september 11th though and it very much feels like a a game about uh Mm. the modern era in terms of the impossibility of of like uh I don't know the best way to put it, like alienation and the Mm -hmm. idea that we live in a world that is changing so quickly in every possible way, culturally and technologically, socially and politically as well, that trying to figure out what is, what is actually something worth holding on to and what is how you kind of thread the way through like a kind of like postmodern dislocation that's even more immense than could have been thought of um, in the 20th century like ha- how do you navigate that and what do you hold on to from that mm. um, and then I think this game why it works as a prequel is it's going back and saying well how did mm. how did this kind of start like let, let's move back here and I think it does this in in ways that are like concrete it's it's not just about, you know, all these topics are referenced with actual places and nations and historical events. Um, and so I think going back to the Cold War, like, kind of ties that up in mm-hmm. a way of saying, I don't know. I'm
0: no, I, no, I get you. I'm losing think, my own thread. No, no, no. The the, the thing I wrote about, about the first Metal Gear Solid was how it's a game that a lot of the time seems like it... it is about searching for some kind of, you know, broad identity, some sense of who, I, what I belong to, and, and what I want, and where I'm from, right? Um, whereas this one, I think you're absolutely right, is kind of showing almost how we lost that belief in like country, and nation, and ideology, and and was sort of cut loose by all of those things, and then forced to kind of think for ourselves, you know, what I want, not just like what I represent.
1: Um. Well, and also, you know, like what a culture means, what a nation means, Mm. Um, because I I think it's smart in going back to the, you know, still early-ish days of the Cold War and and saying this is a time when, you know, before technology changed things and, you know, the march of time and, and people seeing different things, when you could still have soldiers and you could still have citizens who might think well we have to do this because this is important it's it's like bringing you know second world war ideology into the cold war which is impossible to do because as much as you as the americans in the west um tried to make the soviets out to be monsters at the end of the day you're you're kind of realizing well what does that have to do with You know, for the Americans, what does that have to do with being in a jungle in Vietnam? Mm. Um, You know, killing people who are trying to change their own nation. You know, what what is the point of all these wars being fought across the world that really have nothing to do with um, with what they're saying that these things have to do with? And it becomes so ideologically charged, like it has to be. Um these events have to be you have to believe in in an ideology that is countered by what's actually happening, you know. Um mm. Uh I don't know. I'm losing the plot again.
0: No, but I get you. I do. And and I'll tell you what, Reed. What Ed? All this and more <laughs> in uh, Okay Hero. Um a exciting new book co written by yourself and myself. Maybe it's a
1: good advertisement for the book when I can't figure out how to put the thoughts that I yeah. had previously researched, written and edited onto a page so that they make
0: sense. If you've enjoyed what you've heard on this episode and you want to you want to <laughs> understand it more coherently <laughs> and in full, then you can uh you'll soon be able to purchase um uh, a book containing all of these thoughts and and more in um Intelligible detail, <laughs> <laughs> um, but until then, you can go to is it okhero.book.tumblr.com. That's got some more information about what is yeah. actually going to be in the book.
1: It's um, it's still pretty bare bones right now. I guess the only way to say it is, it will be
0: coming quite soon. We thought it was, just... we thought it was going to take longer than it actually is. It's now. It's now not going to take as long as we thought. So we're hoping the next, should I say, you know, couple no. of months? No. Okay. 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 Well, yes. I mean, next, next couple of months. The thing is, though, you don't want to say a date because then. I'm not going you, to say a date. No, I'm not going to say a date. Um, but we'll next, be loud about it when it's we, when it's time. You'll know when it happens. Exactly. You'll know when it happens. Um, until then, you can also go to uh, bulletpointsmonthly.com where we're still doing our usual thing of taking one game and dedicating a month of articles to it. Uh, it's going to be pretty much outdated by the time that this episode goes live, but we're currently doing Anthem by Bioware, um, and we've got some some more t- tasty journalistic treats lined up in the coming weeks. And then you can also go to bollockpointspodcast.com to listen to the episodes on Metal Gear Solid. I'm Metal Gear Solid 2. And obviously, it's also where we'll be posting the upcoming episodes on 4... 4- Five and Peace Walker um, Patreon Oh yes and then there's also Patreon.com forward slash bullet points If you like these podcasts If you like our articles you can no, go No even there if too. you don't like them If you don't like these podcasts If you don't like our articles But for some reason you want to fund their continuation <laughs> um, You want to kind of infiltrate And try to bring us down from within uh, then you can go to patreon.com forward slash bullet points um, those who are giving money to the patreon it may be we 've not decided yet, have we, but there may be extra features in your copy of uh, the book when it launches. Extra features, yeah potentially potentially or or
1: or something the The thing is the patreon if you um, if you are supporting the Patreon, we are always trying to think of ways to come up with stuff that we can do to say thank you so right now i mean there's that goddamn kingdom hearts blood of friendship series that astra and i somehow managed to finish um so there are all of those episodes on there uh if you are at five dollars or more a month and also the industry minute which we haven't done one in a little while because we've been kind of sidetracked by just keeping site stuff going and, and keeping the book moving but we'll do another one of those soon as soon as we have time um so that that's kind of our way of trying to offer something. Mm. Realistically, it's a lot of work to just keep everything moving at the same time. So apologies if if there isn't as much of that stuff as we would like to have. We'll try to do more. Um but yeah, the the Patreon is extremely important. It's the um uh I don't know if it sounds too desperate or something to say this, but if it you know if it goes below a certain point, we just, we have to stop because we can't, um, we can't pay, uh, out of pocket at this point anymore to, uh, support things. So if, if you want the site or, uh, the podcast or any of it to keep going, then please, um, please support the podcast or the Patreon. Or if you don't have the means to, which is definitely understandable, then, then spread the word, um, tell people to, <laughs> to spend money on us, mm, yeah, yeah <laughs> and if you, if, you, if you can't spend money, then get others to do it, and yeah and and uh, share with people that you like what we're up to or specific articles or any of that it's it means a lot, and it
0: it's the only way this this stuff keeps going.
1: That's the end of my p b s drive,
0: and then you can follow all of this and more uh, at bullet points v g on Twitter, so Ed, why'd you make me say all the all the
1: desperate stuff?
0: um because your your voice is a little warmer and no no, it is it's a little warmer and my my accent i think naturally makes me sound a little more kind of aloof Um, you
1: think well what if what if it's a another english
0: listener then from your town (laughs) well i could say as well and then we could sort of cover more bases but I, I think you uh I just think that you plead better. <laughs> do you do you <laughs>
1: <laughs> I am a youngest
0: child as well. Well um you are. do you
1: think you doing the same thing might sound uh like uh our our queen, our shared queen, lest we forget Liz Liz hmm. too saying give me some money. Yeah, from, ex- exactly in front of her golden piano confiscated exactly. from Saddam Hussein.
0: <laughs> I've, exactly. I think historically, I've learned to a nation of takers. So if I start asking people for money, it is going to seem like some kind of empire tax. Uh, so I think it's better coming from you. No, yeah, no, the
1: Canadians have never taken
0: No. From from
1: no. everyone.
0: No. It's possible. No, you've got clean hands compared to Britain. But then again, that's so not, not true. Compared to no compared to Britain though, I think everyone is quite saintly. The sun never sets on the crimes of the British
1: Empire. Indeed. Isn't Indeed. that how it goes? God save the Queen. <laughs> God
0: God interrogate the Queen.
1: You know, when you think about it, this is just the last point. This is not helpful, but God Save the Queen almost sounds like um like um N- not, <laughs> like not po- not positive. Like, oh God, save the queen! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like,
0: like Jesus Christ, she needs like help.
1: pray for her. Like she's yeah. she's lost. She is um an icon of sin.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, Anywho. all right. So that's that. We'll be back very shortly with an episode on Metal Gear Solid Four. Oh, funds we will, of the we? Patriots. Funds of the Patriots um until then thank you very much for listening and we look forward to having you on the next episode what a thrill